All right, let's go back to the book of Malachi. Uh, Malachi, for those of you of Italian descent, no, actually, uh, it is Malachi. And um, we got through the first chapter. And uh, tonight we're going to hope to get through the second chapter. We're going to move rather quickly in our study of the minor prophets. And one thing to remember that even as God pronounces his judgment, he is still affirming his love. Now, that's something that uh, all the young people here need to remember. As your parents deal out judgment, uh, it is because they love you. Uh, The worst thing, the greatest tragedy you can do is withhold judgment, withhold laws, withhold requirements, and let your children do anything they want. It's, it's the most terrible thing that you can do. And God is coming to his people Israel, and he is saying, listen, you're not going to offer sacrifices that are not worthy of me. I am not going to accept them. I am not going to allow you to lower my dignity and my deity as God because you don't want to honor me as your God. And we come to chapter 2, and it starts with a phrase, And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. And so he just gets finished pronouncing a curse upon a person who brings a sacrifice to the Lord that is not worthy of the Lord, that is not according to the laws, and that is uh, not uh, the absolute best. And he now moves from the offerer to the priest. And he says, I have a commandment for you. Now, you can't get much more direct than that, but God then moves immediately to the punishment, and the uh, he says, If ye will not hear, and if ye will not lay to it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, we look here, and, and what God is doing says, Listen, I've got a commandment for you, but if you're not going to honor that commandment with your heart... Uh, You wonder why we in America spend so much time. I mean, Valentine's Day's just passed. What did you say? Oh, I love you with all of my heart. And I've I've heard some uh, uh, very learned preachers say, well, uh, in in the Bible they often said his bowels yearned upon them. And and that's talking about your guts and they get all there. Uh, Here's what God says. Listen. He said, if you don't lay it to heart, that's why we talk about the heart. We make decisions with our head, but the best decisions we make, we make with our heart. Isn't that true? I remember meeting a guy, or no, I was actually listening on the radio, and he was talking about how the fact that he understood Marriage, and he understood the relationship between men and women, and well, he should. He had had three failures at it and was working on a fourth, I think. Uh, there's just some things 
that God never meant you to understand logically and plainly. He meant you just to do it with your heart. Amen? And he's talking to the priest and he said, Listen, priest, if you're not going to do this, if you're not going to lay it to heart, if your reason for being a priest is not to bring glory unto my name, saith the Lord, he says, I will even curse, send a curse upon you. Now look what it says. And I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already because ye do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feast, and one shall take you away with it. And ye shall have no, and ye shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, and that my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, you can't get much more uh, harsh, completely destructive in uh, what God is saying than he is right here. He says, I'm going to curse you. He said, I'm even going to curse your blessings. Now, let's stop and go back to chapter 1 and make a connection here. What was happening was people were bringing to sacrifice sick Wounded animals, animals that were not the best in their flock. In fact, they were the worst in their flock. And the priests were accepting those sacrifices and offering them to God and then praying to God. And and they were saying, God, why aren't you blessing us? We're offering the sacrifices. And God is talking to the priest said, listen, you're not laying it to heart. And you're not... Uh, you're not interested in bringing glory to my name. How can you glorify God's name? Offering sacrifices that you wouldn't even give to the governor of the city, the mayor of the city. You wouldn't offer these things to anyone else, yet you would offer them to God. And guess what the priest was supposed to live off of? His livelihood came from a portion of the sacrifices that were offered. And so this priest, who is supposed to be living off the blessings of God's people, is now living off of sick and diseased animals and the uh, lesser of the... Uh, of the quality of wheat and all the different offerings that were offered. And the Lord said, listen, I'm going to curse you and I'm going to curse your blessings. The best things that you have, the things that I am providing for you, you're going to find are going to be a curse unto you. Now, uh, this idea about the, the dung of the solemn feast, when you had an animal, those animals that they brought to sacrifice were living animals. Uh, and they would have to take the entrails out of that animal. That's the uh, guts, if you want that word. And those were to be uh, either burned or taken outside the camp and burned. And 
the Lord says, I'm not even going to allow you, since you're offering inferior things, you're making a mockery of the whole system, I'm going to allow the entire system to be defiled to a point to where there's not going to be any more sacrifice and there's not going to be any more priests. I mean, this is complete. God says, I'm going to empty this place and I'm going to empty you. Now, that wouldn't be completely fulfilled until 70 A.D., but it was going to happen. And God pronounced that judgment here. And he says, you're going to know that I'm the one that's bringing the judgment. Because here we have, next few verses, God's love, God's holiness, God's wonder put in the midst of all this judgment. My covenant was with him of life and peace. And I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. Now, do you get what it said here? God says, listen, you're going to know that my covenant is with Levi. Uh, This is, I made the covenant with the sons of Aaron, the sons of Levi. And my covenant was a covenant of life and a covenant of peace. And God has given life and peace to the priest as they feared the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes said, Hear the summation of the whole matter. Fear the Lord. Now let me read that. I I didn't use the right word. Go to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Let us hear the verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. There are so many blessings built into this idea of fearing God, of fearing the Lord, of having the fear of the Lord. And God said, listen, that covenant that I gave to Levi was life and peace. And life and peace were connected to the fear of the Lord, as he feared, as Levi feared my name, that's what he's using to refer to the entire priesthood here, as the priest feared my name, the more fear they had, the more reverence they had for my name, the more life and the more peace they had. Now that's something for you and I today. Let's take a minute, digress from our notes. Let's go to Revelation chapter 3. And let's just start reading verse 7. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. 
This is not a theme limited to the book of Malachi. It was before the book of Malachi. It was before the law. It was during the promise to Abraham. And it will be uh, to us today. We need to do one thing. We need to lay our service to God to heart. What did he condemn the first church at Ephesus for? They left their first love. And and I will tell you, it is easy as a pastor, it is easy as a member of our church to get doing the right things, but not lay it to heart. And that's what he's telling the priest here. It says we need to lay this to heart. Our life and our peace is connected to our fear of the Lord. And, of course, that fear of the Lord is not just simply being afraid when we hear the name of God. In fact, the Jewish people in their tradition had gotten to the point to where they wouldn't even actually pronounce uh, the name of the Lord. They would never pronounce the word Jehovah. They had... Uh, even to this day, the Orthodox still practices. They have one way to pronounce it by the men in the synagogue and another name to pronounce it, but they never really say the name of the Lord. That's not the fear that God is talking about. What he's talking about is understanding who he is and the fact that he calls us by his name. That ought to determine how we behave. Amen? It ought to determine how we do things. And why we do things. And so, it says, in verse 6, The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity. And did turn many away from iniquity. You know, that's what God wants us to do. That's what the fear of the Lord ought to do. Is it ought to encourage us to turn away from iniquity, but helping us to encourage others to do the same. This was what God wanted. This was all God wanted. The sacrifices and all of the things that were ceremonies that were in the temple were secondary to this. That's why David, when he had committed his great sin, said sacrifice uh, that God didn't want sacrifice. He wanted a broken and contrite spirit. And God accepted that. And then David offered the sacrifice. The sacrifices were only to be the outward symbol of what was going on in the heart. And in Malachi's time, it really was. That's why they were bringing the sick and the lame. That's why they were doing the things that they were doing. And God was sending his prophet to rebuke them for this. And we start here in verse 8. It says, but ye are departed out of the way, ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. 
Therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in my law. Have we not all one Father? Hath not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant of our fathers? And so... The priest's lips should keep knowledge. They should seek the law at his mouth. He is the messenger of the Lord. He says, but you've departed. We go back to the days of Eli. What what was their greatest sin? What was the greatest sin of the sons of Eli? Was they made people abhor the table of the Lord. That was their greatest sin. And we, we have to be careful. Sometimes we say, it's hard to serve the Lord. Could I challenge you? It's harder not to serve the Lord. You will have much more difficulties in your life not doing what the Bible says than you will if you do what the Bible says. Could we get an amen out of that? You're, you're going to, if you want, quote unquote, the good life, here's, here's what it says, life and peace. It says there's an, a direct correlation between the amount of life and peace you enjoy to the amount of the fear of the Lord that you live in to the way that you treat his name. And he told the same thing to the church in Philadelphia. He said, I've set that door before you. have opened it because you've kept my faith and you've not denied my name. He says, you don't have a lot of strength. But I'm not concerned about that. You know what? God does not need our strength. He's got plenty on his own. We, we need his. Amen? And we're going to enjoy... That peace, but they did not. They refused. They departed out of the way. And God says, I have also, therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all the people. We, we have a problem today. It used to be 50 years ago. Being a minister or a pastor was one of the most respected uh, choices that you could make with your life. You know, today when you say, oh, I'm a preacher. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, what kind of preacher? Well, I'm independent Baptist. Oh, uh, uh, but I have nothing to do with Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton. I'm sorry. Uh, and I don't like Bill Clinton either. They, were, they all claim to be Baptists, but we're, we're just not that kind of Baptist. But why is not that position re- revered like it used to be? Well, because of guys like Benny Hinn and the TV preacher stealing money. And, uh, uh, you know, there was a time there where it was really a bad thing to be a pastor and have Jimmy as your first name. I mean, there are just a bunch of them doing really bad things all in a row. Um, but here's what God's saying to the priest. You wonder 
why you have no respect among the people. It's because you're not keeping my law. You want these things? Listen, we all have one Father. There is one God that made all of Israel. So why are you using your priesthood to take advantage of your own brothers in Israel? And he talks in verse 11, this is not only limited to the priesthood, but Judah hath dealt treacherously, and an abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Here's the abomination. For Judah hath profaned the holiness of the Lord, which he loved, and hath married the daughter of a strange God. Now, if you want today's headlines in your Bible, right there it is. God says it is an abomination to profane His holiness. Now, what the word profane means, it means to take something that is special and use it commonly. If you were to take the showbread that was on the table in the temple and and just use it to eat. Uh, David and his men went. They, They actually, the priest gave him that bread because that's all they had. But if the priest were to do anything with that, if he were to take the sacrifices that belonged only to the priest and only to those that were holy and just give it to strangers, give it to anybody, he profaned it. That's why when you take the name of the Lord and use it as an expletive, you profane the name of the Lord. We call that profanity. And um, I remember one time, I don't know where I was, or but this guy kept taking the name of the Lord in vain, and I was there. And I just looked at him and I said, uh, listen, you're going to have to stop that. Stop what? I said, you're taking the name of my Lord in vain. I said, if you want to curse somebody's name, use your own. I said, stop this immediately. And the guy looked at me like I had three heads. And then he comes up five minutes later and he says, mister, I'm sorry. Now, it doesn't always work out that way, but... We, we need to be careful with things. God is careful about His holiness. That's one of the reasons why we, we are so careful about things we allow in our church. We're, we want to be careful in the songs we pick. We want to be careful... In the way we preach. We want to be careful in the Bible we use. We want to be careful in all of these things. Because the Lord has things that are established. And what do we want to do? We want to just simply follow Him. Amen? And it says, Hath married the daughter of a strange God. What the Bible said was the ways of worship and how that was, wasn't the only type of worship that was going on. There were all kinds of false gods in the land, 
And, and what was actually happening is we were having uh, a joining of truth with error. Uh, that is the quote-unquote clarion call of our day. Is we need to drop our doctrinal differences. We need to emphasize what is important so that we can get the job done. Well, wait a minute. There is not one verse in the Bible that says, I'm going to get anything more done for the Lord by disobeying God. That's what doctrine is. And we can't sacrifice those points. By God's grace, we will never sacrifice those points. It says, and the Lord will cut off the man that doeth this. Verse 12, the master and the scholar out of the tabernacles of Jacob and him that offereth an offering unto the Lord of hosts. And this have ye done again, covering the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and with crying out so insomuch that he regardeth not the offering any more or receiveth it with good will. At your hand. Do you get what he's saying here? God is saying through Malachi, you've profaned God's holiness. That is an abomination. And God is going to cut off the man that does that. He's going to start with the scholar, the priest, those that are the teachers, and he's going to end up with anyone who claims to worship the God of Israel, that's the bringing of the sacrifice, God is going to deal with everyone. He says when you come to the altar, He says you weep and cover the altar with tears and cry out so much that I refuse to accept the offering. Now, have you ever met somebody that was so absolutely sincere that it bothered you? They were just talking about the things of God. And we need revival. and We should weep for revival and pray for these things and cry out unto God. God will give us, you know. And, and they go on and on and on. And you're sitting there going, wow, this person really, really is moved by the things of God. Yet, read the next verse. Yet ye say, wherefore? Because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously. Yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant? And did not he make one? Yet had he the residue of the Spirit, and wherefore one? That he might seek a godly seed. Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away. And for one covereth violence with his garment, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that ye deal not treacherously. He says, you stand here weeping and crying out and asking God to bless your sacrifice. And your life and your heart doesn't match your prayers. And God says, I'm not going to accept that. In fact, the last verse, he's going to summarize it. And he's simply going to say, ye have wearied 
me. Ye have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet ye say, Wherein have ye wearied him? When ye say, Everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them. Or, Where is the God of judgment? Now, let's go back here and let's understand what the Lord is really getting at. He says, I've given a a covenant of life and peace. That covenant is connected to the fear of the Lord and how much you fear of the Lord, truly and honestly. I want you to lay my works and my word to your heart so that you can worship God in spirit and in truth, as Jesus would tell the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He says, but here in Israel, you've caused many to step out of the way. You've been partial. And God says, I'm going to debase that kind of leadership. I'm going to debase that kind of worship because that's not what I'm accepting. And he said, you've traded God's holiness for profanity. You've traded the blessings of the true God for the daughter of a strange God. God says, I'm going to cut this off. I'm not going to listen to your crying and your weeping. Because what you're doing on the outside is not what you're doing on the inside. You know, um, we, we live in a time. And I don't know a family. Living in the United States, I don't know a family that hasn't been touched by divorce in one way or another. I just don't know one. Every family, by the time you get a few cousins in and and all of that, it's somewhere. And God says, listen, I am looking for a pure seed. If you remember correctly, the the... God's judgment and instruction to the priest in the law was that the priest was to marry a a pure woman. There was not to be divorced. He was not allowed to marry someone who was divorced. The priest was not. Um, if, If he married a widow... She had to be the widow of someone who was a priest before. There, there had to be lots of rules and regulations there. God said, listen, I want a pure seed. I don't want a family tree that's got all of these notes going up and down the side. I mean, have you ever thought about just writing out your family tree? This one married this one. And she brought in these, and he brought in these, and then together they had these. And then they married some, and I mean, by the time you get done, you're you're the whole way across the page. And God said, listen, part of the judgment that I am going to pour out upon the priest is I'm going to corrupt their seed. Because if you didn't have the right pedigree, guess what? You couldn't be a priest. If your genealogy didn't check out, how many of you remember there was a group of, of men that married the daughters of, of, of a man named Brazili who was in the uh, priesthood. Uh, this was in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. 
And they called themselves by his name, who was in the priesthood. And apparently they had served at one time. But when Ezra and Nehemiah got there and got, got out the genealogy charts and started checking things out, they said, hey, wait a minute, we got, we got a break here. You guys don't show up. And it said they were put away from the priesthood until someone could stand up with the Urim and Thummim. Those were the uh, things that were inside the breastplate of the priest in the first temple. That's how David inquired of the Lord and different people inquired of the Lord was these things and they were gone. And so what we have here is a corrupting a treacherous dealing, we'll, we'll see this done in verse 11, uh, in verse 10 with the brothers, in, with God in verse 11, with the wife of thy youth in, in uh, these verses down here, and then against anyone in verse 16, it says, for one covereth violence with his garment. Therefore, take heed to your, what's that next word there? Spirit. We have two things here that God is really dealing with. He says, I want you to lay it to heart. And I want you to take heed to your spirit. That ye deal not treacherously. He says, ye have wearied the Lord with your words. And... Again, we need to stop right here. Go back to chapter 1, verse 6, the last phrase. And ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? And uh, we we come down to uh, verse, uh, I'm sorry, verse... uh, 12, it says, but, but ye have profaned it in that ye say the table of the Lord is contemptible. I mean, is polluted, the fruit thereof, even his meat is contemptible. And uh, the idea here is these people were of such a heart and such a mind that they did not even know. They could not comprehend that they were wearying the God of heaven. It kind of reminds me of something that happened years ago here in New York State. Um, I had served as the treasurer for a fellowship of pastors upstate, and uh, we had a change, and uh, and uh, I had to go to the change in leadership, change in direction, change in doctrine, change in everything, and that's why I'm no longer a part of that fellowship. But I had to go to the last meeting because I had the checkbook and all of the things that I needed to transfer. And uh, one of the preachers preached a wonderful sermon. It really was. It was a great message on how Peter followed the Lord afar off. It was, it was just a, a really touching sermon. And one of the guys at the end, uh, we got talking about uh, the church books and stuff. And he says, why aren't you staying on? I said, maybe I can explain it to you this way. 
if I preach that sermon that was preached at the meeting, I said I would have started a riot. You see, I could have said exactly the same words and used exactly the same illustrations. But you see, when I would be talking about Peter following Jesus afar off, I would be talking about slipping in our Bible versions and allowing contemporary music in our services. And he sits there and goes, no. I said, yeah, I believe that stuff. You, you do? There was no comprehension. No, no shame, no, no thought that we shouldn't go out to the world that we shouldn't listen to uh, Billy Joel and, and uh, whatever other names that you want. The reason I think of him is because he's famous for that song, You Live Your Life and Leave Mine Alone. Uh, people listen to that kind of music so they can learn how to play their instruments and come in and worship God. We call that abomination. And yet people are doing it today. And it says here that the Lord says, you don't even understand how you wearied me. You don't even understand that you've blasphemed my name. You don't understand. You have no comprehension that in order for you to be right, God has to be wrong. And, of course, it's your church, so you're going to be right. And God says, I'm not having any part of that. I'm not going to sacrifice my holiness, my name, my greatness, my testimony, my love for you, my promise of life and peace, so you can do whatever you want. You see... Do we not live in a world when they say evil is good, good is evil? Just pick up the newspaper. I saw an article the other day. I just try to catch headlines and stuff, keep abreast, and it said, um, I'm coming out as a Christian, and that's going to make people upset. Was some news person writing an article about coming out as a Christian. And, of course, the kind of Christian, the point of her article was, I'm not afraid of what my friends are going to say. I've already gotten over that. I'm afraid of what the Christians are going to say. Because I'm a feminist and I'm a pants-wearing, tattooed, da-da-da-da-da, pro-choice Christian. And, of course, she ought to be afraid of what Christians say about those things because they're not right. We, we can't call evil good and good evil because it upsets God. It wearies the Lord. There was an awful lot of people who call themselves Christians back in the days when Bill Clinton was getting away by the way, did Bill Clinton get away with what he got away with? 
Well, he stayed in the office of president. But the office of president has been debased. Exactly like God said that he would do to the priest in Malachi chapter 2 that we've already been over tonight. But there are a lot of people that were admiring Bill Clinton because he quote unquote got away with it. Well, what's the big deal? The Lord keeps blessing. He got reelected. He got this. He got that. He's got lots of money. He's, he's a man of, uh, of, of high esteem and in whose book? I mean, the man that painted... Did everybody hear about the story of the White House picture in the National Archives? Unbelievable. This is the President of the United States. This is the picture of the President that hangs in the National Art Gallery. And it's got the shadow of Monica Lewinsky's dress painted into the painting. And the author's come, uh, the uh, artist has come out and said, that's what I did because that's what I think of this man and that's how he ought to be remembered in history. Well, I want to know who made him judge that that's what should go on. I'd, I'd like to understand that, but I, I do understand that there is a principle in God's Word that when we take the things that He gives us and use them to our own advantage. We are the ones that are going to be debased, not God. We're going to be debased. That's why we're debased as a nation. That's why churches uh, are all over the this city, are empty. I mean, there's eight inches of snow today. And we got people that came to church tonight. So we could listen to a very sad message. But even in all of this sadness and God's judgment, we are reminded of a couple of things. Chapter 1, he said, I loved Israel and I still love Israel. He says, my covenant is with life and peace. And he says, if you want to weary me, that's fine. But here's how we weary God. And this is what, this is the warning. These are things that we need to apply to ourselves today. When you hear people calling good evil and evil good, that's wearying the Lord. When someone says, well, God is still blessing them. God's not judging them. He hasn't sent fire down out of heaven. That's the last phrase. Where is the God of judgment? If God were really upset, he'd do something. No. Do you remember the parable of the tares? The weeds, the tares, and the wheat are going to grow together. God's going to sort everything out on Judgment Day. Amen? And what we need to get from the book of Malachi is God has not changed, nor will He ever change. He loves us. He is holy. 
He has a covenant of life and peace to them that will fear His name. And if we will just simply help other people understand the truth and walk in it. How did He say it on the Sermon on the Mount? He said, if you'll do the least of these commandments, you'll be great in the kingdom of heaven. But if you disobey the least of these commandments, or you teach other men to disobey the least of these commandments, you'll be least in the kingdom of heaven. All we need to do is understand that God is still holy, He is still love, and He desires His people to lay it to heart and to take heed to their spirits. That's the message of Malachi. Now, he's going to do some wonderful things before we get to the end. Uh, Chapter 3, he's going to send that messenger out. And, of course, we know who that messenger was. It was this guy named John the Presbyterian, right? I mean the Baptist, I'm sorry. I just have to do that. Forgive me for the sarcasm. But uh, it was John the Baptist was that messenger. And the job of that messenger was to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Do you think that's necessary to find a pure seed? <laughs> it is the key. It is the key. And we have a lot of people, we could, I mean, I could just tie in so many things tonight, but we have a lot, a lot of information going around, a lot of dealing with Passing on our faith to the next generation. How does that happen? Well, that happens when this generation does right. That's how they pass on a true faith. Your children will love what you love. It's the natural result. It's the natural direction of a child's heart. And what we need to do is lay God's word to heart, take heed to our spirit. Because we can weary the Lord. We, we can debase the holiness of God. His name is there. It is our banner. We are called Christians. And we need to be careful what we do with His name. And all God's people said... Heavenly Father, we take this time that you've given us the prophet Malachi. And Lord, of course, he lived in dark days, an evil day. And he was not afraid to rebuke and to define and to bring forth the evil of his days. And yet, Lord, as we look at our day, we see many of these same things prevalent in our society. Lord, we ask. Jude, help each of us here tonight to take your word to heart, to be careful about your holiness, and Lord, to take heed to our spirits, that we may truly be the servants of the Most High God. We ask you to work. Before we finish that prayer.